Uh, are you ready for the message today? Say amen. I'm ready. We are still on alliterations. I'm excited about this one. I'm not going to lie. It's been difficult to find uh, two words that start with the same letter and make it biblical. You know what I mean? So it's like SpongeBob and SquarePants. Like, I don't even know what that means. I'm like, how can I make that work? And so I'm going to preach a message today that is probably fitting for the time that we are in. It is called Politics and Priest. Politics and priest. We don't think that those things can go together. They haven't been going together very well, but they can. And I want to read a passage of scripture that shows uh, that I believe that these two things can work together to create a powerful move of God. Zechariah verse 4, 1 through 14. I'm going to read the whole scripture, then we're going to jump into some thoughts about this. Uh, this takes place, obviously, there's a prophet named Zechariah, and he is having a vision, uh, and the angel of the Lord is visiting him, talking to him about this vision. Verse of one says this, and the angel who talked with me again, uh, talked with me, came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold. I just love that those two things are there because he's not just saying he sees it with his eyes. He's, he's gazing upon it. I just love the word behold. It's a deeper, it means I'm really taking in what I'm seeing right now. He said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? Obviously he doesn't. He's asking you, angel, no disrespect. But he says, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you? Verse seven says, oh, great mountain before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, a flat surface, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, the tool he was using to build the foundation. It goes on to say, these seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. And I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered him and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? He said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Politics and, and priest. I, I think in the past uh, generation of leading church, for the most part, a lot of people stayed away from the subject of politics. It was thought that we should just focus on Jesus and that we should just focus on his word. And you really did not see a lot of interjecting politics. Some pastors did it, but for the most part, no one knew who people were voting for. No one argued about debates. I mean, you just didn't see this kind of uh, intense disagreement and infighting between 
people who are professing to be Christians fighting for their candidate in, in this way. We've never seen anything like this. And obviously, we have quite of some uh, polarizing uh, 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 presidential election happening, which isn't helping to that. But we've just never seen anything like this. Politics was always something that Christian leaders really wanted to stay away from. And I really believe that in some ways, while that may be wise, in other ways, it might have, may have been a costly mistake because now God's people need direction. God's people need guidance. They need to know how to be uh, involved in the political process without losing the anointing for their priesthood. That's why this is called politics and priests. And I don't know if you know, but the one biggest mistake I believe throughout church history is we never want to get away. I'm so glad we are celebrating celebrating uh, one year as lead pastors, but what we are really celebrating is not one year of Christine and I being lead pastor priest over you. We are celebrating one year of the transition to a generation of priests and kings operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit together. And the only reason that Christine and I are the leaders is that we have been uniquely equipped by God to show you what the Holy Spirit has put in you. But the last time I read my Bible, it didn't say the lead pastor was the priest. It says that I'm raising up a nation of holy priests. Does that make sense? And so welcome to lead pastorship, all of you in this room. Uh, the, the word lead pastor is never used in the Bible. I, I, you you got to know that. And I'm not saying we can't have some of these constructs to organize things, but you have to understand that God has called you to be a priest. And here is what politics do. If you're not careful, they make you forget that you are a priest because you're being a politician. And so the easy way is to just completely withdraw from politics so I can focus on being a priest. But no, no, no. God said in John chapter 17, Jesus said, I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world. I'm praying that you would leave them in the world, but that they would be in the world, but not of the world. So this is not about not listening to, to secular music and withdrawing and you only listen to graves and the gardens and Drake's new song comes out and you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to live. Don't watch Justin Bieber, mouth to Drake lyrics. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I got to stay focused. I got to stay holy. No, 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 no. You're trying to take yourself out of the world. And the reason why the world is the way the world is is because Christians are saying out of the world. They think it's none of their business. If it's not about church, then what are we talking about? But no, 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 no. This is why we can get involved. We can't be priests anymore. And we only want celebrities if they're sitting in the front row of our church. But if they're voting for a different politician, then we want to turn off the TV. And we forget that, wait a minute, my job is to be a priest. So how do I be a priest and engage in politics? Maybe I should retreat from politics. But it is possible to be involved in politics and priesthood. Hence this sermon, Politics and priest. You know, Zerubbabel had a vision from an angel of the Lord. And I don't know if you knew this, but Zerubbabel was a politician. The, the, the historians say that Zerubbabel was an aristocrat, a politician born in captivity after his parents had been exiled from Babylon. All of God's people were doing really good. They start tripping. God sent them to Babylon. I can't go any further than that because I only got a little bit of time. It says he was the son of Shealtiel. He was also the grandson of Jehoiakim, the last king of Judah before the Babylonians came and conquered them. Although Jehoiakim was in prison at first, scriptures indicate that in his later years, he was shown favor from a new pagan king. Not that a new king came in that was super Christian, 
but that a Christian got favor from someone who wasn't a Christian. See, sometimes we think that in order for things to move forward, we got to have Christians in positions of authority. Sometimes we can have the worst people in positions of authority and God will move on their heart to give me what I would think a Christian would have to be in that position for me to get it. He does it all the time. It says he, he, he gave him favor. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes and for the rest of his life ate regularly at the king's table. It's likely then that this boy Zerubbabel benefited from his grandfather's favorite status. Growing up in Babylon's royal court and being educated in politics and military as well as in strong roots of Jewish faith. And when Persia overthrew the supposedly invincible Babylon around 539 BC, Zerubbabel apparently also found favor from the conquering king Cyrus. These were wicked people. And under orders from the victorious Persian ruler, Zerubbabel was appointed governor over Judah and sent back to Jerusalem in 538 BC to lead the effort of rebuilding God's temple. I don't know if you know this, but the Babylonians came in and destroyed God's temple. Uh, Solomon had built an incredible temple, and because of the disobedience of God's people, the temple was destroyed, and they weren't able to gather in the temple like they always had. It feels a bit familiar. I'm not trying to say we're all disobedient, but maybe in some ways we are, and we've been restricted on being able to gather. And I've always wondered whether our inability to gather is the governor or God. Because we find in scriptures, God picks marked times throughout biblical history to stop gatherings so that he can realign someone's heart to see why they're really having church. Why are they really in the temple? And so God assigned Zerubbabel, a politician, to rebuild this incredible, incredible temple. But if you have time to read Zechariah 3, you realize that in this passage of Scripture, when it's talking about the two anointed ones, it is talking about Zerubbabel, a politician, but it's also talking about the high priest, Jeshua. Zechariah 3, verse 4 says this, So the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. This is a vision of a priest, a high priest in filthy clothes. This could have never happened in all of the Old Testament. Their, their clothes had to be perfect and white, representing holiness. And now there's a vision of a high priest standing in filthy clothes. And it says, the angel said to the others standing there, take off your filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, see, I've taken away your sins now I'm giving you these new fine clothes. Think about this for a second. This wasn't just, you know, we talked about Zerubbabel before and what God was saying to him, but now he's talking to the priest. Remember, we are celebrating one year of me being the lead pastor, but I'm not the lead priest. Together, we are a, a kingdom of priests coming together to serve God. And in this time where the building was not open, God sent an angel of the Lord to purify the priest from his sin. No wonder during politics and an election year, it is so polarizing right now because we can actually turn on CNN or Fox News every day or Instagram and other people's sins are highlighted. And in a season where other people's sins are highlighted, there's a danger for you and I to compare our sins with their sins and then we judge them for their sins instead of repenting for our own. 
And so we're missing what this season is about is that we would be made clean by the blood of the lamb so that we can partner with politics as clean, repentant priests for the move of God that's coming to America. And so the enemy wants to wave someone else's faults. And you can look at a debate long enough for two hours. You can watch the debate for two hours. And at the end of the debate, you can decide that someone you are watching is more sinful than you. And then you don't watch the debate getting off and repenting. You watch the debate getting off and accusing. And this is how we can be like the devil all the time because we're not repenting saying, Lord, as a priest in your kingdom, would you deal with my sin? Even if you look forward to six verses later, after the angel of the Lord deals with Zechariah's sin, look what happens in verse uh, 10. It says, and on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, do we go back to church? No, not yet. Do we rebuild the temple? No, not yet. Each of you will invite your neighbor to sit with you peacefully under your own grapevine in your fig tree. There is rioting and anger and violence in the street. And God is saying, I'm not going to open up the building till you open up your home and you and your neighbor will sit under your tree peacefully together. And it doesn't say that your neighbor that you agree with, they, their neighbors would have been some of the people that had helped conquer them. And God is saying, I'm going to take the people the at this point would be the Persians and the people that have conquered you. I'm going to make you do dinner with them. We love having watch parties, not with our enemies, though. Literally everywhere I go right now, the church is throwing watch parties. God said, I'm going to throw a watch party. I'm not going to open up the building. I'm going to throw a watch party. And guess who's coming? The person who took you out of your homeland, pillaged all of your stuff, destroyed your temple, and let's see if you can gather together under your fig tree with peace. We're going to try to see some politics and, and priests here. This is a gnarly, intense passage of scripture. Because there is so many people, if I had a fig tree, there is so many people right now that I'm not eating underneath a fig tree. Matter of fact, I don't even want to eat a fig Newton with that person. Even if it's a cookie, I'm not doing it. Even if it's sweet. And he's saying, you guys are going to sit under your own grapevine and your fig tree, says the Lord's of the heaven's armies, not God the Father. Not God the Father. The Lord of the heaven's armies said, you're going to sit with your neighbor? So this is so deep. God's saying, I'm going to have to involve the military of heaven just to get y'all to. That's how much warfare is happening right now that I'm going to have to all, I'm going to have to send heaven's military to get a Republican and a Democrat to sit down. I got to get the military. The Michael, the archangel would be the same person who kicked the devil out of heaven. Many Bible scholars would say that Michael the archangel is the leader of God's heavenly army. And God is saying that the same person who dealt with what the devil was trying to do in heaven is going to deal with what the devil's trying to do between you and your neighbor. Good Lord. He's dealing with some stuff. We have to understand that God in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty chose to use politics and priests together during that time to rebuild the temple and bring him glory. He's doing the same thing right now if we could just yield to the Holy Spirit. And here's the two things he did, and this is what's crazy. If you look at what I said about Zerubbabel and you look at what I said about Jeshua the priest, he told the politician, I need to deal with your source, and he told the priest, I need to deal with your sin. 
I'm going to say that again. He told the politicians, Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And then he took Jeshua, the priest, in the presence of God and dealt with his sin. I think in order for us to do a, a politics and priest together, we have to deal with two things. I should have called this message source and sin. We're going to have to deal with our source and we're going to have to deal with our sin. If politics and priests are going to work together, we're going to have to deal with our source and we're going to have to deal with our sin. Somebody put in the chat, Lord, help me deal with my source because my source has been my own strength. Lord, help me deal with my source because my source has been affirmation. Lord, help me deal with my source because my source is unforgiveness, meaning that I'm really doing what I'm doing because of the person who rejected me back there. I'll show them that I'm a leader. I'll show them that I can make money. I'll show the person that fired me. No, God's saying, I need you to deal with both your source and your sin. I wonder if anybody in the Oasis family is ready to deal with their source and their sin so that in this election year, politics and priesthood can come together. Lord, help me deal with my sin. Lord, help me deal with my source. I need the Holy Spirit. And if that wasn't enough, what I discovered in this journey through this Bible passage is that what I just read from you from Zechariah chapter 4 was not the first time that they tried to rebuild this temple. This was actually the second time. The first time they had tried to do it was 16 years earlier. So why are, I know you're asking, you're saying, so why are they just getting around to getting started and finishing this up 16 years later? What happened 16 years ago that stopped the rebuilding of God's temple? I'll tell you, since you're screaming and you want to know, you ready? Ezra chapter four, verses one through three. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles, this would have been Zerubbabel and Jeshua, were working, rebuilding a temple to the Lord. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin, this would have been the Samaritans. This would have been people that they racially didn't get along with. So they showed up and this would have been the people who weren't of the pure race that the Jews were. And there was some racial tension. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, let us build with you. Let's do it together. Not just this race, but let's all do it together. We've all made mistakes. Let's rebuild it together. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon, that's a crazy name, of Assyria brought us here. We worship God just like you do but they were a different race. So Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the other leaders of Israel replied, you may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Scripture never tells us that God was upset that they rejected someone who didn't look like them. But what we do know is that the work stopped those people complained to the government and the rebuilding of the temple was halted for 16 years. I have a word of the Lord for you. You can pray all you want to, but until you start to understand that there really is systemic racism in here, if God asks us to take care of the orphans and the oppressed in the Bible, if God, the God of the universe is saying there's oppression in the Bible, I promise you there's oppression in America. And until we as a church says we are going to take care of the orphans, we are going to 
to take care of the oppressed. Yes, there is things in this country that need to shift. If we don't do that and come together and we reject our brothers that don't look like us and we reject our sisters that don't look like us, then the prayer you are praying right now, you have put a 16-year delay on. I'll see you in 16 years. We got to let the next generation do it. We got to let the next generation do it. We can't be arguing and fighting. And I'm not saying that there isn't media narratives. And get, but come on, man. You think we got our act fi figured out since the 60s and all of a sudden this country's perfect and there's no systemic racism? Come on, man. You know there is. We all know there is. We just need to admit if it's in the Bible, it's in America. And I really believe we can come together as priests and not let our politics dictate what we know our priesthood is saying is true. But if I say it's true as a priest, does that change my political affiliation? If I'm being honest, I watched the debate and both sides have some things that are right. I can't even front. I don't even want to admit it. I want to not like both of them. But we think, oh, they're all wrong and this is all right. There's the biblical way to vote. I don't know, man. Because none of it points to Jesus. Jesus told some Pharisees who were living the Bible that at least they thought, you search the scriptures, but don't you realize the scriptures point to me? Last I checked, when the enemy was tempting Jesus, he used the Bible to do it. So no one's going to make me believe that unless it's by the Spirit, unless there's source in sin, don't tell me it's biblical. We have to be careful because if we're not, then we end up putting a delay, decades on something that God wants to do right now. And if that wasn't a big enough challenge to rebuild the temple, once they got organized and they agreed that there were some things that had to shift racially, Haggai says they're, they're getting ready to rebuild the temple on August 29th. This is what happened in the book of Haggai coming into September, right around the time, October, right around the time we are now. It says on August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel again. And verse says, two says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So they had racial tension getting in the way. There was sin getting in the way. The source was getting in the way. And then when they got all that figured out, the people didn't want to do it. They were too busy rebuilding their own houses. Think about that for a second. Ah, oh, man, I haven't had, I, I got I to gotta take care of my stuff, man. This, that Rona, man, Rona messed up my bank account. That Rona ain't no joke. I, I can't. I can't come back to church right now. I don't. And I'm not talking about when it's safe. I'm talking about that your motivation is now I got to rebuild my own stuff. And God told him in that verse, like, you rebuild my house, I'll rebuild yours. You rebuild my house, I'll rebuild yours. And all of these things happened and culminated to the vision where God is speaking to a politician about partnering him with a priest. And I want to unpack a few things that are really important if we're going to do this well going into this November 3rd election. Zechariah 4 verses 1 through 3 says, And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand of gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamp. This is a weird lamp. Just I ain't buying no lamp with seven lips, just seven old nasty lips. I wonder if they was chapped. Like I'm a germaphobe, man. Like 
you imagine a storm? It sounds like some new age stuff, man. It's the Lord. It's holy, man. But like a lampstand with gold and seven lips. Who designed that? That ain't home goods. It ain't home goods. It says, and there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I'm going to put a picture on the screen so you can get a clear idea of what Zechariah, excuse me, Zerubbabel is having a vision of. He's having a vision of two olive trees, and two olive trees are dripping oil in a bowl that is burning the candles. Two olive trees are dripping olive oil into the bowl that is fueling the, can, the, seven, the seven candle uh, stands. In Revelation, we understand these seven candle stands represent the churches. The churches. So two olive trees are literally funding oil into the church. Two leaders, one is a politician and one is a priest, funneling the anointing oil of the Holy Ghost into the church. Not their thoughts, not their opinions. And here is the thing. Happy anniversary to leading a church to Christina and I. Happy one-year anniversary. Does anyone want to guess how oil gets out of an olive? Pressing and crushing. Pressing and crushing. So the transition was not about who could preach, but who could handle the pressure. We thought it was a preaching transition. It was a pressing transition. We thought I'd be preaching every Sunday, but I'm being pressed every Sunday. So that the oil that is inside of me, we are pressed, we are pressed, we are pressed. So it's releasing the anointing in the city of Los Angeles. If you are pressed, you are releasing the anointing in the city of Los Angeles. Except if you are angry and frustrated, you're still pressed and you're releasing anger and frustration. That's why you got to deal with your sin and your source. So when you get pressed, the oil flows. The oil flows. People have said to me, I've noticed your messages are like been really anointed. Have you noticed the pressing? That's how. When you squeeze an orange, uh, orange, I've never seen apple juice come out. Whatever's in it comes out. Whatever is in it comes out. And so it has this image representing what God is calling his leaders in the church to do. Leaders in the church to do. This is why if you don't, you're not dealing with your source and you're not dealing with your sin, you better be careful who you listen to. Because you are being filled. Look at that vision. You're being filled with the wrong things, not the oil of the Holy Spirit that lights a fire on the inside of you. This is no joke. We, we got to get this right. And then it goes on um, as he, after he has that vision. And it says, and I said, and by the way, I want to go back to that real quick because I, I don't want to miss this because I made a joke about the seven lips, but the seven lips were on the lamp and the lamp represents seven churches. So really the, the source, if you are anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit, which, which represents God's divine enablement and power in your life, your lips say something different based off what is flowing out of you. It's the mouth. The church is supposed to be the mouthpiece of the Lord. Still an ugly lamp, but I just wanted to cover that point. <laughs> Verse four says, and then I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, 
says the Lord, but by my spirit. Wait a minute. By my spirit. This is not going to be in your own strength. This is by my spirit. And then in verse 7, he says, who are you, O great mountain? This would be one of the few times in the Old Testament, if any, I can find a time where someone spoke to a mountain. Mountains in the Old Testament were climbed to enter into the presence of God. So when there's a rebuilding and a shift taking place, you're trying to tell me, Lord, that you're turning uh, mountain climbers to mountain movers. Because Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain. So here's how I know you are probably, there's a mountain in front of you right now that is 2020 and don't climb it, speak to it. Speak to it. And God will level it before you. And what was the angel telling Zerubbabel to shout to the mountain? Think about your worst enemy. Think about the largest mountain. Think if you are a conservative, your mountain is the liberals. If you are a liberal, your mountain is the conservatives. I don't know who your mountain is or what your mountain is. I don't know what you're yelling. But the angel of the Lord told Zerubbabel to shout this to it. Grace. Grace to it. Can you imagine standing in front of what's between you and your purpose and shouting grace? Wow. I'm preaching today. I'm, I'm preaching. I'm preaching today. Christians who have been watching these debates should be shouting grace. Grace. Don't forget to vote, but don't forget to shout grace. America needs the grace of God. The Democrats need the grace of God. The Republicans need the grace of God. And, and remember the seven lampstands with the seven nasty lips? We are seeing a clue that the seven nasty lips should know that they're nasty, so they should be shouting grace. That's why if you don't deal with your sin and your source, it affects your shout. Oh, this is so good. If you don't deal with your sin and your source, your shout changes. Now you shout judgment and now you shout ridicule and now you shout shame. But if you would understand that you have sin that has been washed clean by the blood of Jesus and you would understand it's not by might, not by power. Let me tell you something. I've said it before. Protesters can demand change. Prophets command change when they shout grace. I want you to see something on Instagram that bothers you and just shout grace. Just click off right now the sermon and just Google. Put the debate on the other screen and just shout grace. Because I need you to write this down. Whatever you're shouting determines the mountains that are shifting. You know why the mountains aren't moving? Why the mountains aren't shifting? Because you're shouting the wrong thing. No wonder when God's people were getting ready to go into the promised land that God had them shut up for six days. And then he said, shout, and the wall would come down. He was directing their words. He was trying to teach the Israelites as they stepped into the promised land, if you would lead, if you would allow me to control what you shout, I will bring every wall and obstacle down that is in between you and what I have for you. Every time you open your mouth, you add a brick to the wall. You are on the enemy's construction team. You're his foreman. Some of y'all are his foreman. Hard hat, just building all kind of walls between you and what God has for you. He said, I need you to shout grace to it. 
I need you to shout grace to it. If you could shout grace to it, we could do this politics and priesting well. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of his house, of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. One of the signs of unhealthy politics is when we are overreacting and underrejoicing. He said, you can rejoice at a small thing. You see a, you see a small thing. You see a small thing and you can rejoice. It's unhealthy politics when the church is overreacting and underrejoicing. Maybe just ask yourself that tough question. If I'm going to make these two things work together, my, my, my priesthood given to me by Jesus in an election year, and, and it's so important that we vote. It's so important. I'm not trying to, get to tell you this to discourage you from voting. We should vote. It's our social honor and responsibility. But if we're going to engage in being both in, in politics and in priesthood, we have to make sure by the Spirit of God we're not overreacting and under-rejoicing. When's the last time you rejoiced and said praises? be to God. And you gave God the honor that he is due. I'm going to skip down because I have a lot that I could say. But um, as you can see, I have 11 printed pages here and I'm on page six. So we're not going to make it. (laughs) But I will say that this season um, of being pressed is releasing the divine ability from heaven, the Holy Spirit, the oil. And it is this oil that is the foundation of rebuilding God's church. And I want to tell you that God wants to use this season of politics and priests to get it done. And the opposition that feels like it's crushing you is releasing the oil of the spirit that is in you. That's how you get it out. You get it out in the crushing. You get out what the spirit wants to do. In the crushing. In the crushing. Zechariah, verse 7, for those who really believe that there aren't systemic challenges and racism in this country, verse 8 says, Then the message came to Zechariah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the heaven army says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor. And do not scheme against each other. Your answers refused to listen to this message because their hearts were hard as stone. So God is trying to deal with some of the systemic things in society. And he says, just like your ancestors, your heart is hard as stone. I really believe that there is a revival that no eye has seen ever in the history of God's kingdom coming to this earth. And I really believe that Los Angeles is one of the beacons, the birthing points, if you will, of this revival. And so I'm telling you these messages when I tell you that God is really checking me in this time. This has been a hard year because I have found out that my source has often not been the Holy Spirit and my sin has often not been repented of. And I am dealing with my source and my sin and it has been altering my shout. All I want to yell. I understand. I'm aware of what's going on in in the black community. I'm aware of what's going on in our world with the riots. But all I feel like shouting today is grace. Because 
the Lord's been dealing with my sin and he's been dealing with my source. And so it's shifting my shout. And maybe that's something that needs to happen for you as well. Maybe that's something that needs to happen to you, uh, for you as well. And so I want to pray for you right now. We have less than a month to, to what may be one of the most intense days we've ever had. November 4th is the time for the election. And I'm not saying that there isn't things that we've seen that we haven't agreed with, but I'm just saying that the infighting of race and the infights of political power and delayed what God wanted to do for 16 years. And while we're celebrating one year of being lead pastors of Oasis, I don't want to be in year 17 talking about the same things. I didn't sign up for that. I signed up to speak to a mountain, not to circle one. I don't want to circle the mountain over and over again for years. And because we can gather, because people are clapping and shouting, we're calling it church. Later in Zechariah 8, which I didn't have time to read, God begins to prophesy to the remnant. And he begins to tell them about how they're dealing in their court systems. Think about this. He says, in your courts, you need to judge fairly. Think about how things are going to grand juries and things are coming back and it's just not all adding up. All of this was happening in the book of Zechariah and God needed literally a politician who would deal with their source and a priest who deal with their sin and he would use them together to shift their shout to the mountains that were in front of them. And all I'm saying to you and I is that if we would be both these people, we are Zerubbabel and Jeshua in one both people dealing with politics and both people dealing in priesthood. And we would allow the Lord to shift our source, that it would be not by might, not by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would allow the Lord to address our sin. Then our shouts would begin to, to, to shift as well. And the mountains that are before us, the mountains of racism, the mountains of political infighting, the mountains of riots and looting and buildings burning down in the streets, those mountains that anger you so much, that you would shout thug and criminal, you would shout grace. A real Christian has a gracious shout. And so here is what I'm submitting to you. Maybe you've been operating in your own strength and you need to check in with your source. Or maybe it's been a while since you've repented because you've seen so many things on the news that are, that are worse than what you're doing. Maybe now's the time to address your sin. Because I really believe that as Oasis Church, our shout has to be grace the undeserved favor and kindness that can only come from God. And so I'm going to pray. We probably should sing new wine. That would be awesome. Just the year we've had. And I really believe that God is going to uh, continue to move in your heart and soften your heart. So these types of messages can go deep into your, your soul and your spirit. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus. There's somebody right now that just like the politician Zerubbabel, you are addressing their source. And then there's somebody right now, just like the priest Jeshua, you are addressing their sin. And there's somebody that even though those both things are addressed, they realize that their shout not being grace means that they're either off on their source or they haven't repented of their sin. Because when both of these things come together, the shout that comes from the city on the hill that is the church is a shout of grace. And so, Father, we believe and we ask you to convict us, change us, mark us, and transform us 
so that these shouts in this next season will shift mountains that have been around for generations. God, we sign up for this battle right now and saying, literally like Isaiah, here we are, send us. Lord, we know that there's been more pressing than preaching, but we want it because we want the oil of the Holy Spirit to flow. So right now, God, I'm asking in unity as a church family for the oil that can only come from pressing, from the, for the oil that can only come from crushing, for the oil that can only come from hard times to, to rain down on every church member. And Lord, while we want you to speed things up like water when we got baptized, this is not when we got baptized when we first started. Water runs fast oil runs slow. So we are willing to wait on the Lord for the oil of the Lord to drip down slow on every church member watching from every corner of this earth. We thank you, Jesus, for everything you are doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.